anyone remember what book of the Bible we're walking through right now? Esther, that's right. And today we're in chapter 7, chapter 7 and chapter 8. we got two weeks left. And at this point in the story, we have this royal decree. I'm not a big fan of this royal decree, but the royal decree has been sent out. The king uh, signed it. It can't be repealed. And if you guys remember, the decree is that all the Jewish people in the Persian Empire are to be killed on this particular day. And yet we have walked through this journey through Esther. We've seen how God is using this Jewish woman. Her name is Esther. She's now the queen. And she's standing in the gap for her people. It's a very powerful story. So here in chapter 7, she's going to meet with the king. And you've got three main characters in chapter 7. You've got the king. You've got Esther. And then anyone remember the, the third person that's going to be in this? Scene? Yeah, Haman. I love how you said Haman. Haman. It was a little suspicious. Like, Haman. Haman. If there was a bad character in this book, it would be Haman. Do you remember, he really wants to see Mordecai die. Mordecai, another character. Mordecai, a Jewish man who didn't kneel. Remember that? He didn't kneel when Haman was there. didn't give him honor. So Haman wants Mordecai to be killed. But now he just wants all the Jewish people to be killed. That's really scary, by the way. Can we admit that? Beyond it just being a story, that this is really heavy and really scary. But here we are, chapter 7, they're feasting together. And Queen says this. She goes, she's a, or Queen Esther says this. She petitions the king. She says, if I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition. And spare my people. This is my request. For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. If we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. Grant my request. This is my petition. Grant me my life. Spare my people because we have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. As you keep reading, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you keep reading. The king is like, man, who did this? And Esther gives this really good line. She goes, it's the adversary and the enemy, this vile Haman. And so the king gets mad. He storms out. Haman falls, begs Queen Esther for his life. The king returns, and now he sees Haman falling on the couch where Esther's reclining. The king now is even more upset. He's really mad, and he has Haman impaled. Remember all this story from Sunday school, right? He has uh, Haman impaled. On a pole, by the way, the same pole that Haman actually set up for who to die? For Mordecai to die. Now Haman is killed. And it continues. Queen Esther is given the estate of Haman. Mordecai, he's honored. And then Esther, she's going to speak to the king again because we have a problem. She's going to ask actually for another decree to be written because the previous decree in their culture, they can't be revoked. They can't be changed. So you have to have another decree to kind of uh, counterbalance the other decree. And this one's going to be sent out to save all her people. So the king says, okay, have Mordecai write something out and we're going to send it to everybody. But this is what happens in chapter 8, verse 11. The king's edict. And this is the the, the edict. It grants the Jews in every city the right to assemble and protect themselves to destroy, kill, and annihilate the armed men of any nationality or province who might attack them and their women and children and to plunder the property of their enemies. Are you tracking with me what the new edict is here? 
It gives the Jewish people a right to defend themselves to kill anyone who might attack them. The day appointed for the Jews to do this in all the provinces of King Xerxes was the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar. A copy of the text of the edict was to be issued as law in every province and made known to the people of every nationality. This is getting sent out to everybody so that the Jews would be ready on that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. Verse 15, when Mordecai left the king's presence, he's wearing royal garments of blue and white, a large crown of gold, a purple robe of fine linen, and the Susie of Zusa held a joyous celebration. For the Jews, it was a time of happiness and joy, gladness and honor. In every province and in every city to which the edict of the king came, there was joy and gladness among the Jews with feasting, with celebrating, and many people of other nationalities became Jews because fear of the Jews had seized them. So I was reading through the commentaries this week, trying to do, uh, do my due diligence on giving you a good message here. And one of the things that both Jesse and I discovered studying through this book, it, and it's a lot of commentators talk about it, is this great reversal and you're seeing this, aren't you? This great reversal where you have this one trajectory of, uh, just think of it, like the trajectory of Haman being exalted, Haman being platformed, Haman being honored, wealth, all those types of things, while at the same time the Jewish people, it's not looking good for them, right? They're all going to be killed. But then over several chapters, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10, you actually see this great reversal where now it kind of kind of goes like this, doesn't it? Where now Haman is killed and actually these Jewish figures, Mordecai, Esther, they're honored, they're celebrated. And it's quite impressive how it unfolds. Pastor Jesse, by the way, showed a really good video last week, the one on Esther. He only showed the first half. And I'd encourage you to watch the second half of that video. You can go type in Bible Project Esther. And it does a really good job of visually showing this great reversal. It's fascinating. It's good. Like, you gotta, you got to watch it. But I'm actually not going to talk about any of that. <laughs> I'm just going to share what the Lord put on my heart this week. And so I got two main points. I mean, I don't even have three. I only got two. <laughs> oh, I'd fail the class. I mean, everyone knows you've got to have at least three. But I only got two. As I've been reading through this book, and not just this week, but over the last few weeks, hear me out. Don't get me wrong. Church, you know me. You can trust me. I, I love life. I believe life is good. I, I believe life is beautiful. I believe it is a gift. I love the wonder and creativity and true splendor and awesomeness of life. But can we also be honest that life is so hard? <laughs> That's my first point. Church, life is hard. You know, I've said that. I've, well, I've been a pastor for 18 years. I've been saying it for 18 years. And some people, it makes your skin crawl every time I say that. In fact, one of my sayings, one of my Danisms is, life is hard, and then it gets harder. So encouraging. <laughs> you know, I say that. Because the temptation is to read this story and just be like, oh, what a neat story. I mean, this is great. They all lived happily ever after. Right? Even We felt that. We read that. We're like, oh, that's so good. But I want to humanize this just a little bit if we can. Humanize each of these individuals. Because they are actual human beings. 
meaning they have real emotions and thoughts, fears, anxieties, worries, aches, pains, heartbreak. And when you think about and consider what they're going through, especially Esther, what she is walking through is so intense. And even now, over the last couple of years, I think about the videos we've been watching, the trainings we're going to, the breakout sessions at conferences that we're going to as pastors. You know what so many of those sessions are about? It's about mental health. It's about PTSD. It's about trauma and grief and loss. And Esther has experienced it all. We've already talked about what she and the other women faced in those first two chapters, few chapters, and and I'm not going to go through that again. It's just horrific. But even before that, she's lost both parents. Remember that little detail. So she didn't have parents growing up. She was an orphan. And then she gets brought into this harem. She's brought into the harem. She's just trying to live, right? She's trying to live a healthy, normal life, trying to exist. And if you remember, this is a hundred years after her people had been taken out of one land and brought into a new land. So they're in exile. They're in a foreign land. Right now, people all over this world know what that's like. My youngest daughter, Addie, she has some classmates now that are recently from Ukraine. They don't speak English. They're here under very traumatic circumstances. And so Esther, again, she's walking through all of this. But then she becomes queen. She's queen. And I was thinking about it. In the cartoon version of life, when you become the queen, right? When you become the princess, that's when the screen says, and they all lived happily ever after. But you know, in this, yeah, that's right. In this story, probably in the story of your own life, you just know that's not true. In fact, for Esther, I mean, I want you to think of this, church. For Esther, it's after she becomes queen. So after the happily ever after that she finds out what? She finds out that all her people are about to be killed. Have you ever been there? You ever been to the day after happily ever after? It's like when I found out that I was going to be senior pastor at LifeSpring. And by the way, I don't know if everyone knows, would you just raise your hand real quick? This is my father, Cliff Bursch. I don't know if everyone knows that. If you're going to call this place home, make sure you get to know uh, my dad. Uh, he's an amazing, amazing man of God. But it's like when I found out I was going to be senior pastor, I think I'm in Macy's or J.C. Penney's. This is 2012. And my District supervisor, he calls and he said, hey, the Lord is in this. You know, you're being appointed as a senior pastor of LifeSpring. And as you can imagine, I was so happy. I mean, I'm crying. I'm just so, so very happy. And I think I was, I was with my mom. And, but I just remember my mom saying something like, well, you better buy a suit. And I was like, why? Like, I don't, I don't wear suits. <laughs> That's not really my thing, mom. And she said, well, you're going to be doing some weddings And you're going to be doing some funerals. Sorry. But I just didn't even know. It's like my mom knew I needed some new clothes for some new roads I was going to be traveling down. Roads I had never walked down before. 
It was the day after happily ever after. And I'll tell you, I love my job. You guys know that. And my top personality trait is happiness. It literally is. I'm a very happy person. But this job has invited me to walk down some very challenging roads. I've entered into some of the most traumatic spaces and places. And if I knew of all the horrific things I would experience in this job, I wouldn't have said yes. And I know that sounds really not very good of me. But uh, isn't that the truth? Some of the roads you've had to walk down. It's almost like the grace and mercy of God that he didn't show you all the things that you're going to have to face. Because really, you just needed to go one day at a time. Anyone else know what I'm talking about? The mercy of God. And I think we could all share about the day after the best day of your life where you had to walk through hard things. And again, for Esther, she finds out she's queen and then all her people are going to be annihilated. Talk about having the weight of the world on your shoulders. You ever felt like you had the weight of the world on your shoulders? You ever struggle with anxiety? I have. You ever been worried before? I have. Can you imagine the gripping anxiety Esther must have felt? Again, if we can humanize her just a little bit today. And so now she has to approach the king, which we've already read is really risky. I mean, she's risking her life. She's already told Mordecai. She goes, okay, I'll go. I'll approach the king. She says a very famous line. She goes, and if I perish, I perish. So intense. There's just so many things going on in these chapters that is really, really difficult. I mean, even, I was thinking about this week, even the deliverance that the Jewish people receive is hard. I mean, the edict, it's amazing and incredible, but the edict that saves their lives, the edict that brings deliverance, the edict that brings salvation, what did the edict say? It said that they have the right to assemble and protect themselves. They now have the right to destroy, kill, and annihilate armed men who might attack them. So, yeah, I mean, that's good news. Praise the Lord. Amen. Deliverance has come. But talk about hard. To secure your deliverance, you're going to have to kill another human being. Because it's either kill or be killed. That's a tough, tough situation to be in. But I felt like I was supposed to take some time making this point. Because some of you are walking through unimaginable things right now. And I love being your pastor. And I want to make sure this is a really safe place, a safe space for you to admit and even say out loud something that sometimes Christians just aren't willing to say. You're afraid that maybe it shows a lack of faith or you're not really trusting in Jesus. But church, listen, it is not a sin to admit that, you know what? What I'm walking through right now kind of sucks, and it's hard, and it's challenging, and it's intense. And yes, life is good. Life is beautiful. It's a gift, and I'm so happy to be alive, but let's be honest. It all just feels a little hard right now. So that's my first point. Life is hard. My second point is this. You can do hard things. Yes, it's hard, but you can do it. You can do it. You 
can do it. <laughs> it's interesting how shocked we get when the hard things happen to us. Like we're like, oh, where'd that come from? And yet scripture says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through. Don't be surprised. And yet I'm still surprised. <laughs> but don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. But I'm thankful that we don't have to go through those fiery tri- trials alone. Aren't you thankful that you don't have to go alone? We've got the Lord, but we've also got each other. Aren't you thankful for the people around you? We don't go through it alone. So we can do this. We can do hard things. But just for a second, would you do something for me? I want you to take a look at the person next to you. I want to, you to connect with them with your eyes just for a second or two. All right, and now the other person next to you, I want you just to connect with them. Look them in the eyes if you can for a second or two. There's some beautiful people here, aren't there? Amen. That person that you just connected with is going through something today. There's a good chance they've recently faced a very serious trauma or rejection. They might be walking through a deep family wound. They might have a financial crisis, maybe even a medical diagnosis. There's a famous quote they debate on who actually said it first, but you've heard it before, right? Be kind. Everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Again, be kind. Everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. And it's true. And that is why we need the Lord and why we need each other. And I believe With Jesus and with a Jesus community, just like this one, we can do it. We can face the challenges that come our way. And by the way, the Bible is not silent in this area. There's so many scriptures to encourage you in that you can do this. Paul says, be patient in tribulation. Again, that means there's going to be tribulation. But guess what? You can be patient in tribulation. James says you can be patient and stand firm. He goes on to say, brothers and sisters, I love this. He goes, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. What's their example? That they were patient in the face of suffering. He goes, as you know, verse 11, we count as blessed those who have persevered. Who are those that are blessed? Those who have persevered. That's a part of our faith. That's a normal part of our faith. Do not be surprised by the fiery trials that you face. It's going to come. Tribulation, it's going to come. But you can do it. You can do it. You can endure. You can persevere. You can be patient. To some of us, patience is a curse word. I don't want to be patient. Well, in Jesus, you can be patient. I love Peter. He says, if you suffer for doing good, uh uh-oh, here it is again, and endure it patiently, What does that say? It says God is pleased with you. If you suffer for doing good, you endure it patiently. God is pleased with you. Amen. For God called you to do good. Come on. Even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you. Oh man, this one sings. He goes, he is your example and you must follow in his steps. Say that last line with me. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. 
There's a great uh, scripture in 2 Thessalonians. Paul is boasting about the church in Thessalonica. Wouldn't you love to have Paul boasting about your congregation? Like, come on, this is awesome. But what does he boast about? He's boasting about their perseverance. He's boasting about their faith. Where? In the midst of all the persecutions and all the trials that they are enduring. Again, Livestream, wouldn't that be something if that was said of us? I mean, I want that. I want that so badly. They're like, man, that congregation, like, have you heard of that? I forget what they are, like spring or light or something. I don't, I don't even know where they are. They don't even have a sign. But, but that, that group, they're, they're just incredible. Their, their perseverance, the, the way they just have this faith in Jesus. Anyone here have a faith in Jesus? I want to see your hands. Do you believe in Jesus? Because come on, let's be honest. If you're going to go through what you're going through, it's going to be about Jesus. It's going to be about the Lord. Can you imagine walking through what you're walking through without Jesus? I mean, right? As a Christian, you're like, how do non-Christians even do it? How do you walk through what you're walking through without Jesus? Because it's Jesus who tells us, you've heard this one before, we love the promises of God. I'm not so sure I like this promise. He says, in this world you will have trouble. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> but he loves us so much. He wants us to have peace with God. He says, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. Be of good cheer. Be of good courage. He says, I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. Isn't that our hope? That's our hope. Man, some of us are still hoping for just circumstances to change, situations to change. And I believe in a God of the impossible and miracles, and he can change your situation. But what if he doesn't? Do you trust and hope in Jesus who has overcome the world? Do you find comfort in Jesus? Not just in what Jesus can do, but in him and him alone. Do you find comfort? Is it well with your soul who Jesus is deep within your heart? That in this world, yes, you have trouble, but you can be of good cheer. You can take heart because Jesus has done it. Jesus has overcome the world. I, I said this verse a couple of weeks, I think a couple of months ago, actually. First John 5, 5. He asked this question. He goes, who is it that overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's really good news. That's good news for every person that raised your hand saying you believe in Jesus. Because that means Jesus has overcome the world, but that also means that you have overcome the world in Jesus. I think that deserves a little louder amen than that. You're an overcomer in Jesus. You're an overcomer in Jesus. You're an overcomer in Jesus. This has been stirring in my heart all week. Brothers and sisters, you can do this. With Jesus, you can do this. You can stand firm. You can hold fast. You can be patient. You can persevere, endure. Why? Because you belong to Jesus. You belong to the one who has overcome the world, but you belong to the victorious one who is coming back again to rule and reign forever and ever. You got Jesus. You can do this. And listen up. I'm about to go Dan Bursch on this thing here. Because, well, here's the deal. 
because Esther takes place in the Old Testament. <laughs> and thing, uh, I just want you to consider this as we're reading this book. Praise God for how he's moving and working behind the scenes in Esther. But also praise God that I am not living in the days of Esther in the Old Testament, but I am living after what Jesus did in the New Testament. See, this is a Jesus place. And don't be confused. I get it sometimes, you know, maybe you don't like the coffee or we're singing the wrong songs or our service is too early. I get that there's things that maybe we don't all like. But one thing we can all agree on, this is a Jesus place. And this is a Jesus community. And praise God for Jesus. See, because of Jesus, you and I are under the new covenant of his blood. You ever heard that phrase before? A new covenant of his blood. Hear me out. There is power in the blood. There's an old hymn that talks about there is power in the blood. His death and resurrection has done what nobody and nothing else could ever do. See, we're reading in the Old Testament every day in our, as a church, and I love it. Uh, right now we're in Leviticus, and it's been so powerful. It's so good. But where in the Old Testament you had to go to God. Or even in the Old Testament, you hear these stories where they're hoping that maybe his power would come upon them like Samson. Or maybe he would reveal himself in a burning bush like Moses. But see, because of Jesus. Do you remember who Jesus is? Jesus who is the glory of God. Jesus who is the word of God. Jesus who is the son of God. Jesus who is the image of the invisible God. Jesus, the prophesied one, the anointed one, the chosen one, the risen one. Jesus, the everlasting king of kings. Because of Jesus, you don't got to go to a mountain or go to a tent to find the Lord. No, because of Jesus, God has come to you. Do you remember that? Jesus, he ascends to heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father and he asks the Father, send them the Holy Spirit. And because of the new covenant of his blood and the power of his blood, you and I, we have received the very presence of God. And we are now temples of the Holy Spirit. Temples of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3 talks about how All y'all, when we gather, are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? God's Spirit dwells in our midst. Three chapters later, he goes even more specific. He said, but don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? We collectively are the temple of God wherever we are. I get that we're in this building, but if we don't have a building and we're out in a field somewhere, guess who's going to be there? Collectively, but also individually. So wherever I go, the temple of God is there. That's where the spirit dwells. Even Jesus, he says this so powerfully. He says, whoever believes in me, John chapter 7, right? Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, out of his heart, out of his innermost being, out of his belly, come on, is going to flow. Just begin to flow rushing rivers of living water. And it says that he was talking about the Holy Spirit. That's inside of you, church, if you believe in Jesus. And so as believers in Jesus, we got something pretty special in the year 2023. And I get it's hard, but we got to be even be careful how we do talk about the hard things we're walking through. Because you're not walking through it alone. You've got Jesus. And I've even found that sometimes we ridicule the, the older people who really say, oh, I'm trusting in Jesus and I'm believing in Jesus. We, we ridicule those statements and how silly and insane we are to ridicule anyone who is going through a hard time that says, but I believe in Jesus. I trust in Jesus. 
By the way, Jesus made a way for anyone and everyone who believes in him to receive eternal life. That includes the heroes of the faith in the Old Testament. It is by faith, right? Come on. Praise the Lord. We're going to get to see those heroes of the faith again. But again, for those of us, I don't want us to get caught up 4,000 years ago. You need to hear my heart today. For us right here, right now, in unincorporated King County, in this rented sanctuary, because of Jesus, God dwells in us. And we have right now rivers of living water flowing through us. Why? Because of what Jesus has done. And by the Spirit of God who dwells in you, you can do hard things. You can do it. It's so funny. I keep on hearing those mice from Cinderella being like, we can do it, we can do it. Is that what they say? It's so funny. (laughs) I really missed out on an opportunity. That would have been a great clip to show. Romans 11 says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of us. Right? If I was an old school Pentecostal preacher, you know what I'd tell you. That you got resurrection power flowing through your veins. I'd say it a little more aggressively and added syllables. But that's what you got. Resurrection power living inside of you. And yes, life is hard, but you can do hard things. Even if you feel weak this morning. You ever feel weak? Man, I have some days that I've been feeling so weak lately. Just like, I don't even know. If I can do this, and yet it's right there when the Lord says, Dan, put your name in there. If you're feeling weak this morning, put your name in there. He says, listen, child, son of God, daughter of God, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power, everyone say power. My power, my power, he says, my power is made perfect where? Right there in weakness. We say this every Sunday at the end of service. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. How? According to his power. But where is his power at work? Yes, within us. See, you got enemies around you. And if you didn't know that, well, ta-da, there you go. You got enemies all around you. Now we know our enemy isn't flesh and blood. But there are very real enemies set up against you and your life, against your family, against all the plans and purposes of God. There's a really, uh, uh, Paul talks about a struggle against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's not coming from me. That's coming from Scripture. But see, you can do this. You can face this. Why? Because God is able to do immeasurably more than you ever thought possible. It's not even about you putting together some game plan. It's about what God has planned and what God wants to do in and through you by his power working within you. Paul says in Philippians, you know this one, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Like all circumstances, good, bad, and ugly. He says, whether I'm well-fed or whether I'm hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or I am in want. Say this with me, church. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do this. By the way, some of you are really good at speaking negatively to your soul. You You speak the most negative words, not to others, but to yourself. 
And we got to get some of these scriptures back into our hearts and speak the words of God over our lives. Not the words of the enemy who's there to annihilate us, to destroy us, but the words of God. And when you're weak, he's strong. His power knows how to move in your weakness. He's not ashamed of your weakness. He's not embarrassed by your weakness. It's right there where he says, my power is made perfect. And some of you, I don't know if you're speaking this to yourself or you're speaking it to the enemy of your soul, but you just got to be able to speak it out loud that says, I can do this. I can do all of this. Even though I might not wish what I'm walking through to my worst enemy, and even though I don't even know how I'm walking through this, but by his power living in me, I can do this. Put that verse up there again. If we can just say this again. Verse 13. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Jesus says to his disciples, John 14, 15, and 16, numerous times, he says, I'm going to send you what? An advocate. I'm going to send you the helper. The Holy Spirit is here to help you. Don't be afraid if you need help. Don't be embarrassed. You're not like some weak Christian if you need help. We all need help. If you didn't need help, you would have never sent the helper. And it's for like right now when you need that help. Play that card now. I need help, Lord. Help me. And he's ready to help you by his power living inside of you. I'm hammering this point, and I want to encourage you with this. And this is what the Lord's put on my heart. And this is going to really sound harsh, but you you guys know me. I, I think you can trust me on this one. If it's not from the Lord, you can just discard it and never listen to it again. But I've been doing this a long time. And there's a version of Christianity that kind of just says, I'm going to say yes to Jesus, but it's really fire insurance, right? It's really just so I don't go to hell because hell sounds miserable and I don't want to go there. So whatever I got to do not to go to hell, I'm all in. So you say yes to Jesus so you don't go to hell. It's kind of like Monopoly, you know, the get out of jail free card, you you just kind of live your life, and then when you die, you, you pull out the get-out-of-hell free card. I got Jesus not going to hell. But unfortunately, with that version of Christianity, not much changes while you're still on earth. You just kind of take your punches, grin and bear it. Everything remains the same. You hope that God is real, and you wait for the day that he takes you to heaven instead of hell. And though I do believe in hell, church, remember this. Jesus didn't die just to keep you out of hell someday, but he died that you might experience life and life to the full today. Today. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus says, but I have come that you might experience life. Zoe, life, overflowing, abundant life. Some translations say life to the full. Right here, right now. Eternal life. When does eternal life begin? It begins the moment you receive him into your life. 
I am walking in eternal life because Jesus is eternal life. And if you've got Jesus, you have life. In Ghana, they say Christ, and everyone else says life. And then he says life, and everyone else says Christ. There's no difference. Christ is life. And if you've got Jesus, if you raise your hand, guess what you're walking in right here, right now. You do not have to wait until you die. You are walking out right now, real, abundant, overflowing life in Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And yes, one day, you and I will get to experience the joy of an imperishable body, resurrected body, living forever and ever with the Lord. Amen. But even in the midst of the chaos of this moment, the darkness that some of you are entering on a daily basis. I was just talking to somebody about some of the dark settings that you're having to walk into every day. But even in the midst of, a, of it all, like, he is there, and he wants to help you. You don't just have to grin and bear it. He is there to teach you. He's there to correct you. He's there to convict you and comfort you, to guide you, equip you, resource you. He's there to empower you. Empower you what? Empower you why? Why? Because to do what he's calling you to do. Do you know that the Lord has a calling on your life? Like even now he's got intentionality over your life. He's thinking of things that he is predestined for you to do. And he wants you to do it not by just gritting it and bearing it and just kind of muscling up some self-determination. But he wants you to do it how? By his power. Second Peter 1, 3 says, by his divine power. Say it with me. It says, by his divine power. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life that's right here right now that's a now word church that's a now word there's so many empty seats here those seats were made for people that are broken and lost and hurting and lonely jesus wants to encounter people in those seats Take this, invite your friends, invite your families who don't know Jesus, that there's a better way to be human. Come on. Hallelujah. Right here, right now, by the power found in the new covenant established by his blood, we can do this. This morning we are in very capable hands. We're in the hands of a good father. He loves you. He cares for you. And by his resurrection power, He's going to help you do what he has destined you to do for such a time as this. We're going to invite the worship team to come back up. And if we could do this, if you would just stand with me. In this moment, what we need is a touch from the Lord. And it's so important that we receive that touch from the Lord today because we've all heard a lot of sermons we've all sung a lot of songs but what we need isn't another song or another sermon we need Jesus and we need the power of his spirit and yet I also feel like sometimes when we talk about the spirit it's what I would call wishful thinking we hope that someday he might come into my life. Someday he might give me what I need. Someday he might give me the gifts that I need. But one day, and a lot of us, it's coming from a place of shame. You're still trying to do that list of ten things. And then once you've figured out those ten things, then he's really going to come upon you in power. 
And if we could just set that aside for a second here. Ephesians is very clear that you're saved by grace through faith. Jesus has done the work. And so we just receive and believe. We believe and receive. And for me, this is a daily thing in my life. If I don't do that, I'm in trouble. I need to daily get in a posture of saying, no, this is about what you have done, Lord, and what you're doing. And so, Holy Spirit of God, speak to me again. So even now, some of you, maybe it's to put your hands out. For some of you, it's to open up your heart to the Lord in vulnerability and transparency before the King of Kings. Holy Spirit of God, just begin to minister to my heart, minister to my hurts begin to minister to those places of trauma, those places of deep wounding and pain. I invite you into those spaces and those places. See, this is what happens even now as I'm talking. As as you invite the Holy Spirit into those places, He will help you. He will help you, and He'll even help you in practical ways. He's beginning to tell you people you need to reach out to, people you need to call, meetings you need to have, uh, groups you need to attend. He's going to help you in very practical ways. But along with that, he he cares about you in such a whole way, in a shalom kind of way, that he also is willing to, right in this moment, touch your life in a transformational, powerful way where you could leave here never the same. And I pray that for somebody in this room right now. That That might not be everybody, but it's somebody that needs a touch from you, Jesus. They are so stuck And yet they woke up an hour earlier today because they knew that their hope is in you, Jesus. Would you see their heart today? Lord Jesus, would you see them today? You're the one who says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Lord, we know that you're the one that when we turn, you come running to us. So Holy Spirit, you see these hands that are open. Holy Spirit, you see these hearts that are laid bare. And would there even right now just be a ministry of your presence? Even before we begin to sing, church, we've got time. Just allow the Spirit of God to begin to minister in this place. As Kyla plays, just just hear the Father's love and acceptance spoken over you today. Be encouraged again. In your weakness, he is strong. You're leaving here strong in the Lord. You're leaving here strong in the Lord. Yes, you're facing hard things, but you can do it in the name of Jesus. You can do it. You're serving the God of the impossible. Holy Spirit, just move in this place. Move in this place. move in this place. Move in this place. keep singing. Some of you, maybe you need to get prayer in this moment. We have a prayer team over here. 
Um, some of you, maybe you need to kneel before the Lord uh, in front here. You can come up here, stand before here. Maybe it's the person next to you. You need them to pray for you. Maybe you need healing. Allow the Lord to heal you in this place today. You're the answer. You're the answer. You're the reason I move and I breathe. It's because of you, Jesus. All of my worries, all my anxieties, all my fears, I cast down at your feet because you love me and you care for me. Oh, who compares to you, Jesus? Who compares to you, Lord? For you have done what no one else could do. You died on the cross. You rose from the grave. You ascended to the Father. You sent us the Spirit. And right here, right now, I'm standing full of the power of the Holy Spirit to do what you've called me to do. I am not lacking. I am not in want. I am not wondering where my help comes from. I know where my help it comes from the maker of heaven and earth. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Break down our walls today, Lord. We need breakthrough today. We need breakthrough. And if that's you, again, sometimes it's not about the person to your left or to your right. But it's you're just saying, I'm tearing off the roof. I'm getting to Jesus today. I'm running through the crowd. I'm going to touch Jesus today because I know that nothing and no one else compares to Jesus. I need Jesus today. I need the power of his spirit today. If that's you today, do whatever you got to do to meet with Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Sing, come, Lord Jesus, come. 